Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Tuesday, June the 25th. I'm your host, D.A. Last night, NBA Awards. Now, this timing is kind of weird because the regular season ends, of course, like two and a half, three months ago, and we don't have the awards based on that regular season up until nearly July. So these were voted on months ago, and we finally get the results back. But what we get is the Milwaukee Bucks winning some significant awards, Giannis Antetokounmpo winning MVP of the NBA. You had Coach Budenholzer as your head coach of the year and also an award for the front office. So the Bucks cleaned house when it comes to the awards. They had the best regular season in all of the NBA, but of course lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to the eventual champion, Toronto Raptors. So in Milwaukee, was it a good night? Or was it a depressing night thinking about what could have been? Here's Chuck and Winkler on 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee. So it was a good night for the Bucks. It's a good night to see these guys get uh, celebrated for the accomplishments that they had. But on the other hand, it was also a reminder that, you know, this could have been a real big party coming off an NBA Finals win. And and it, it wasn't. It was still kind of overshadowed by what the the Raptors did. So on one hand, it was really good to see these guys and to get Milwaukee another MVP on top of Christian Yelich. And of course, if you look at the Packers, Rodgers, and all that. But it was also it was also you know it was a little both. It was it was a celebration, but it was also a reminder that they were so close and then didn't get the job yeah. done. At least for me, uh, you know, other uh, MVP in this city, and but no championship to go with it. Yeah, I mean these guys. I mean. Take nothing away from Giannis winning the MVP or Bud winning Coach of the Year or Horse GM of the Year, but then, as Giannis would say at the end of the day, they won all the awards, but they didn't win the big award, and that was uh, Larry O'Brien Trophy. And I think that you know Giannis referred to it last night. You know that's his next goal. He said he wants to win a championship. He wants to win a championship. He didn't necessarily say Milwaukee. But he did say he wants to win an He wants to win a championship. That's his. Uh, that's his big goal. But uh, you know, I mean, yeah, these guys winning all the awards, great. But in 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 one way, it was like okay, but they didn't win an NBA championship. They didn't get to the NBA finals. You know, I, I did. You watch the NBA red carpet show on NBA TV? No, I was at the Milwaukee Milkmen game. Okay, they had somebody on there, and I don't know who it was, a rapper or a comedian or whatever. They were interviewing him, and I was kind of half watching it, and they were making reference, the guy was making reference to, well, how, how the postseason should be included 
in these posts in these in these awards and they they kind of cut him off because it, they were ending it in that way and it was like he was making a point he says now ah, you know the whoever the MVP is and the coach of the year and all that it's not going to be because the, the postseason we all know who the MVP probably Kawhi Leonard should have been if they would include it in postseason because that's what you remember most is Kawhi leading his team but yeah and I thought about that but then if you're gonna do that I mean the Raptors are gonna win all the awards. Yeah, but I mean, they, they they won the title, and then they're going to win Coach of the Year and Player of the Year and Most Improved and Executive. But shouldn't it be for the? But then, what's the point of the regular season? Are you yeah. not going to give any awards well, for? But I mean, if you the eighty two games they played, but it shouldn't be the. But that's what you remember most. You remember the whole season. All right. I mean, when when you look back at the season, you'd say, "Boy, Toronto that year they won the NBA championship. Yeah, they didn't win. They won. didn't win any postseason. They didn't win any awards." Well, Siakam. What's yeah, Siakam wanted, but I mean, player of the year, coach of the year, executive of the year, the Toronto Raptors won none of those awards yet. They're the NBA champs. Kawhi Leonard, for what it's worth, two third place votes, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, if based on the regular season, he the Bucks finished Bunch, ninth. Yeah, but based Giannis on the seventy eight of the one hundred and one first place votes, based on the regular Harden season, the other twenty three, those guys, you know, all three of them deserve what they got, but. On the overall part of the of of the NBA season, postseason included, I mean, it's like okay, you know, I think overall you got to think of it as a good night because it wasn't like this was a last gasp for the Bucks. It wasn't like this was a veteran laden team that had everything break their way and that finally they got to the precipice and just gagged it. I mean, this is a team that's basically on the build right now and they took an enormous step forward last year. Now they're not going to sneak up on anybody moving forward, but Giannis and his speech, coach Budenholzer and how he adjusted the offense, the front office. Now it surrounded and supported Giannis with shooters and players that played well with the Greek freak is to me, a symbol of things to come. It's a sign that the Bucks are on the right track and they've got a lot to look forward to. So I think the recognition's great. You'd rather have a championship, but the recognition's great. And now it's about continuing to be a model organization, continuing to have great players, great coaches, and that the surprise of last year is no longer a surprise, that instead it's just how the Bucks are built every year being a contender. The Golden State Warriors also fell short in their fifth consecutive appearance of the NBA Finals. And that has just always meant that the Warriors draft near the end of the first round. So bringing in rookie talent has been very difficult from where they draft. The latest is Jordan Poole, who was drafted 28th overall out of Michigan by Golden State. Is that where he thought he would get selected? Here's Poole on 95.7 of the game in San Francisco with Damon Bruce. When you went to draft night, who did you think was going to take you? Um, I think it, in the talks were like the Spurs um, at 19 and 29. Um, coming into the process, I, I, I felt really good about the Bucks, but they ended up trading their pick the night before. So, um, And they obviously go to the state. Um, and I think the, the Nets, I had a really good workout with them, and they were in the talks as well. But um, definitely, was, it was really open on draft night, and luckily I was uh, I was able to get called at 28. 
One of the newest Golden State Warriors, Jordan Poole here on 95.7 The Game. So you got to meet both Alan Smilagic and Eric Paschal today. Well, what do you think of your new teammates? Yeah, so me and Eric have a really good relationship. Um, we worked out with each other throughout the process. So we got to be really close the last couple of months. And meeting Alan for the first time was uh, was cool. Um, obviously, you know, he's a really young kid and we're all in the same situation together. But his situation is unique, you know, coming over. I'm having to learn a new language and, and playing with Santa Cruz. Um, so it's being able just to, to meet the guys for the first time and knowing that we'll be together for these next couple of years, uh, it was really good. What do you think prepares you better for the life in the NBA? A G League schedule or the Big Ten Conference schedule? Oh, uh, that's tough. Um, only because, you know, uh, the Big Ten is, is amazing, being able to to play in the Big Ten the last two years for so many talented players, um, as well as, as knowing how it is to just, you know, go through a, through the ringer. But I also haven't played in the G League, and um, Allen's an amazing player, and that's where he's been playing at a, on top of playing professionally. So um, I feel like they both have their pros, but being able to, to experience my two years in college uh, was definitely needed. So obviously you know the injury situation that you're stepping into and the fact that the Warriors are looking for guys to score the ball from the wing. Do you come in with the goal of, hey, I want to be in the starting lineup night one? I mean, what what are your goals like coming in? Being picked at the end of the first yeah. round, um, you know, coming, I just want to make an impact. You know, somehow it's it's an amazing team, and um, obviously, you know, everything that's going on with the, the entire situation around uh, the team right now. But finding a way to make an impact, whether um, it's on the bench, coming off the bench, starting, um, you know, but just learning a lot from guys like Steph, Clay, Draymond, and uh, being able to soak everything in. Um, obviously, it's uh, hopefully I can put myself in a situation to to start, but more than anything, just being able to make an impact on the floor. Other than the elevated level of competition, what is the thing that you think you need to go into training camp having to improve the most? Yeah, um, I've been really working hard on my body, you know, just being able to withstand uh, uh, the entire 82-plus game season. And, and now you're, you're not playing against college kids anymore. You're playing against grown men. So just being able to, to physically be able to, to take – all of the contact in, in the long season. So being able to, to become more explosive and stronger and, um, and and really focus on the aspect of my body is something that I, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to. You know, while the addition of Kevin Durant simply felt unfair for the rest of the NBA, considering the Warriors were already a great team that had won a championship and tallied 73 regular season victories, the most ever before they lost that 3-1 series lead to the Cavaliers. Once they added Kevin Durant, they went from a great team to an unbeatable team, to where you just simply knew that the competitive advantage was unfair. And now, now that Klay Thompson's injured and Kevin Durant is likely to leave, we will see a much more compromised Warriors team. And I think that will tend to put a spotlight and shine brighter on the reality that the Warriors have a really good front office and a really good scouting department. And let's see if guys like Jordan Poole now end up paying dividends because now they need the guys to. Before, they had so many stars, and they had drafted Clay and Draymond and Steph so that it didn't really matter if they got any production out of rookies. But now because the bench has been thin and because they're going to lose probably KD and Clay at least for the season, now there's a real spotlight on, well, what are you going to do to really build a roster that's not just superstar heavy? 
In baseball, the unfortunate story of the week is the New York Mets, New York mess. You have the Mets right now blowing more leads because of their bullpen stinking. You have Mickey Calloway, the manager, challenging a beat reporter to a fight. You have Jason Vargas also threatening the same reporter. You have now reports that Brody Van Wagenen, the general manager, is telling Mickey what to do from the luxury suite during games. And Callaway, fined by his own organization, did not come out and apologize for making the mess that he did. Now, on top of this, Mickey Callaway getting crushed because he kept his reliever in far too long on Sunday to allow Seth Lugo to get bounced around and ultimately give up a three-run home run from Javi Baez in a Mets loss. Here's Mike Francesa on WFN in New York on how Mickey Calloway just simply might be out of his league. So the Mets wind up again dropping a game they have to win in the bullpen. And again, it's about the Mets' judgments of handling things. But again, do I think this is the end of the world? I think the game is the problem. And what's been lost is the game. First of all, Alonzo's performance, which has been otherworldly, has been completely lost. Also lost was... They botched another game they should have won. And it all got lost in the postgame, which to me, all right, it's no big deal. Sorry, lost my cool. We move on. That's it. That's over with. Nobody's got, nothing's going to happen to anybody. Nobody got touched. Nobody got hurt. Okay. I don't think anybody is going to have a problem dealing with it going forward. So, I mean, to me, that's, it's gonna, that's the headline. That's the story. That's what everybody has to open with today. But it's, it's not really something that just can't pass and should pass rather quickly. Like I said, I don't mind Mickey yelling at somebody. I just wish he would have yelled at a player once in a while. I mean, save that for the players. They can use it sometimes rather than being, you know, so protective and so nice and so cuddly to the players all the time. But what I don't get is, A, what the heck is Mickey thinking during the game, and then what the heck is he thinking after the game? That's the point. It makes you wonder about him going forward. But he is going forward. They are not changing managers, and right now, as my understanding, they don't have any, any interest or any inkling in changing managers. So this is Mickey's deal right now, and that's the bottom line. As they go into Philly, where Philly is absolutely in a nosedive. And if they had gone there, listen, this trip was one and three and looking completely bleak. And they were an inch away from knocking off three straight wins in Chicago, which would have been an achievement. Which would have put them in good stead heading into Philly this evening. Now instead they go in there with all this commotion and they got to go through all the nonsense and everything else today in the dog and pony act. You know, and what this does is it takes a little bit of the pressure off the general manager, who the pressure should be on, and places it on the manager. I mean, Vargas is rolling this. Hey, I don't think anybody has a big problem with Vargas protecting his manager. Maybe Vargas, maybe this guy said something about Vargas one time, or wrote something about Vargas one time. Who knows? I have no idea. But to me, this was a terrible Loss and really a missed opportunity by the manager. It's about having an 
having a feel for your team and for situations. To me, the biggest thing you have to do, I don't care if you're a player. I don't care if you're a manager, a coach, a general manager. You have to know in sports to be successful when the opportunity, when the moment arises when you need to pull the trigger. When it stands out where it's a moment that is important, that it stands out from the others, that can make a difference. To me, that game yesterday was incredibly important to them. That would have been a big win. That could have changed just the way you, the, just the way that team feels about itself. Instead, it was dead in the ninth inning, and the game was over, and they had suffered another bad loss and had another game ripped away, as has happened time and time and time again. That's the problem. I'm a guy that wanted to give Mickey Calloway the benefit of the doubt because there are certain limitations and hamstrings that he was given because of when he was the manager, where he was the manager. New York is a tough place. The Mets organization wasn't hugely deep in talent. And, you know, Callaway last year, I think, deserved a bit of a break. And they turned it on in the second half of the season. But this year, just more headaches. And he has proven to not have any feel when it comes to the bullpen whatsoever in his pitching staff. And that's a problem considering he came over as a pitching coach from Cleveland. That's a real issue. Bad news in Baltimore because we all knew the Orioles were going to be bad this year. But in being really bad, they're also really bad and really sloppy. Here's former Orioles shortstop Mike Bordick, who joined 105.7 in Baltimore in the Big Bad Morning Show, talking about how that stuff is preventable. It goes right back to just the ability to relax out there on the field, you know, and let those natural uh, abilities come through. And I, and I think these guys you know, rightfully so, are just putting a lot of pressure on themselves. It's, how can you say go out and relax when you're having a hard time winning ball games? you know, when you're getting blown out? You know, I think guys just want to step up. They want to be the guys that, that help this team get over the hump. Um, and, you know, everybody's on call. I think every other interview you hear, you know, Brandon Hyde talk about how the players are being evaluated. So that's, that's an added kind of pressure in and of itself for these guys. So, um it's, it's a tricky situation. Um, you want to play clean baseball. I think the team is it, – it really is. It's a nice team as far as they, they work together. Um, they're consistent in that regard. I think they really do care about each other, but it's just a matter of kind of relaxing and, and playing a, just a, a better brand of baseball. And it just doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. It just uh, takes time. It takes – repetitions and experience. So how do you balance this as a manager? Because I, I don't want to beat this subject to death, but I, was, it's, I didn't expect them to I expect them to lose over 100 games, and I don't care. I'd like them to have you on number one pick again next year. But I, I hate seeing dumb baseball. And just and that's what it's – I don't – I'm not frustrated with the skill level because I know they just don't have it very often. But things like – the d- double steal when you have a you know a hitter's count at the plate, like you know two you have you know yeah two slope you, you you catcher and you got Mancini you got Cisco and Mancini doing a double steal when you got a two one count at the plate you don't you take the bat out of the, the the batter's hand and then seeing Hanser Alberto instead of taking a double play tries to nail a runner at home and he has a, a wet noodle for an arm he can't he bounces it before he gets there like what are you thinking and how do you manage that with the, you know these guys. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the toughest thing. And, and I think, um, 
the fact that there's an open line of communication, I, I think that's uh, very important. I think it's part of the new wave of, of uh, dealing with, with players and teams. And Brandon Hyde's great at that. He really does talk to his players. Uh, he's got a great coaching staff that, that helps every guy. I mean, I, I, I've never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. I mean, they're going above and beyond as far as communicating with these players and, and letting them know what their expectations are, the ability to work whenever uh, they want. You know, players, obviously there's a routine and a schedule. But, uh, you know, if they feel like they need extra work, these coaches are going to go out there and do it. And, it, it, yeah, sloppy baseball is the worst. You know, you expect to see it in the minor leagues. And I think <laughs> there again, you're kind of seeing – there's a handful of minor league players playing at the major league level, and that's what's unfortunate, and I think the depth of organizations get tested, and I think the Orioles are kind of looking at this situation like, okay, well, we don't really have enough depth right now. So the drafts are important, patience is important, um, and, and, and continually teaching at the major league level is, is important. It's the one thing you hate to see. You know, the Orioles, we know, have no talent. A lot of young players. They're trying to build up the farm system, trying to do the whole rebuild and having stripped it down from all the other veterans that they had the last couple of years. But what you can't stand is when those young players are sloppy. It's one thing not to have the experience down to win and to start trying to develop talent, and sometimes it's going to be inconsistent. But it's another thing just to make sloppy, dumb mistakes. That's something that is completely preventable no matter how old you are. Shortstop Gary Templeton was a three-time All-Star playing for the Cardinals, the Padres, and the Mets in his career throughout the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And he's also in the San Diego Padres Hall of Fame. Now, today's game's a lot different than the game that he played in a number of years ago. So he joined Chris Gwynn, a former teammate's son, Tony Gwynn's son, on 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. And he weighed in on whether he would be playing shortstop differently today than the way that he did back in the 70s and 80s. When you played shortstop to to playing today, you watch the game now, if you played shortstop now, would you play it any differently than the way you played back in the in the 1980s with the Padres? Well, no, I, I wouldn't play any differently, but... Uh, uh, the way they play now, they defense people, it seems like they play everybody to pull, so the middle of the diamond is wide open because I see balls that are hit that should be caught. But, you know, because of, I guess, the analytics that say that I guess 90% of the guys pull the ball, everybody plays everybody to hit the ball in the hole, so the middle of the diamond is open. But I didn't have no problems covering the backhand side, so, you know, I would have probably played it the same way unless they moved me uh, because you know when we were coming up we didn't want nothing going up to the middle of the diamond that you had to catch that stuff yeah the backhand you know that was extra that was extra if you could go over and backhand (laughs) and fall and come up and throw somebody out you know that was a bonus that was a plus but nothing up the middle you got to get those balls up the middle so that's why tony hit to the 5.5 hole because the shortstops weren't there Right, right. Well, you know, uh, the thing about it is that Tony, you know, he was a spray hitter, so, you know, you couldn't play him one certain way. So, yeah. you know, that was a big advantage you have, uh, you know, uh, back when Tony played, where 
you know, the way he hits now, I don't know if they would have pitched him any differently and played him any differently. But, uh, you know, that hole was wide open because, you know, you're a spray hitter. You can't just load one side of the diamond. Former Padre Gary Templeton joins us here on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. Gary, uh, you've been in this city forever, and you we've been over the last six years you've been hearing about this plan that the Padres had in place. Are you starting to see the bones of the plan that the Padres have been talking about for years? And, and, should, be fan, and should fans be encouraged by uh, what they're seeing this year so far? Yeah, I would. I, I think that they're finally – starting to fall in place i think the biggest headache uh the fans should really be encouraged i just think that the biggest headache the padres have is trying to figure out who's going to play because they got so much talent and and, you know and and they're all fighting for the same spot so i would be really encouraged i think the pitching is starting to come along i mean they're having some tough outings but you know sometimes they don't get the support that they need but you know, right now the team is pretty solid with good young players, got a couple veterans that are handling their business. And I tell you, I, I enjoy watching them play now because it, it's, it's fun. You know that they have a chance to win every time they go out there every night. So, you know, it's a lot funner. You can see the talent. I mean, the talent is there. It's just a matter of who they want to play. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's obvious you'd have to play differently. And maybe it's because of the real pressure and the popularity of defensive shifts. Also, the fact that everything is about keeping the ball inside the ballpark, if at all possible. So lots of strikeouts. And without offense being anything more than three-run home runs usually, or a series of solo home runs, I think at shortstop, you would end up having to play the game much differently. There's no doubt that... Major League Baseball, if you watched it today versus 30 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, looks nothing alike. And I think that that's actually a problem for Major League Baseball, needing to find its roots and make sure that still got pace and action and not just strikeouts and home runs. Finally, college football talking season, as they say in the South, is here. LSU head coach Ed Ogeron joining WWL Sports Talk in New Orleans with Bobby Bear and Deuce McAllister and talking about getting this LSU program back to positive thoughts and how to navigate social media in today's modern age with the modern athlete. You look at the noise. Like last year, the noise, you'd have to say, was negative. But now it's positive. But either way, we have to focus on what we can control. Because whether positive or negative, right, it doesn't matter what people say. we got to go out there and do it on the field. No question. we got to be mentally tough and block out the noise again this year. It's good stuff. And you know, human human nature, you want to read the good stuff about you, but you can't believe it. And, uh, you know, when camp starts, when we start practicing August 1st, we're going to close that door. We're going to go back to the basics, work hard in camp, focus one game at a time. Coach, last year when we talked to you, the rules had just been changed by the NCAA and the recruiting, you know, to be able to sign in, in December. You guys have adjusted, you know, the schedule and how you go out and recruit. You're recruiting on a national level, bringing in guys from all over. But just talk a little bit about – how you've altered it and, and, and some of the things that you guys try to get done or at least on the recruiting front right now? You know, it starts early, Deuce. Right now, their sophomore year, 2021, we're all over them. We've got the 2020 class. We have about 20 commitments right now, five more to go. We're working on the 2021 class and, believe it or not, 2022 class. You have to recruit it for two to three years. We're always going to recruit in-state first. 
but we have a national brand and we're we hot across the country right now. This is the best group of quarterbacks I've ever seen in a football camp. We have some great quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are committed to us, quarterbacks that are f- for the future. So our national brand, our coaches have been working hard. You know, they want to come to LSU, they want to play in the SEC. Now, uh, you know, Coach O, when you look at recruiting, and you talk about not every year is going to be a great year in Louisiana and recruiting on a, nas- a nationwide basis. Obviously, LSU, like you said, has that brand. But I thought what's interesting is that uh, when you look at social media and what's involved with that, and you had a quote that said, I think this recruiting class we've got right now is recruiting itself, especially out of state. Them guys are talking to each other. So just talk about how uh, social media has made the whole country smaller. Now all of a sudden you might think, man, California, that's way over there. But it's really not when you look at it from a nationwide recruiting basis. It's a little different when we grew up in Salt Foods, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) New Orleans was a far place. But but now you got uh, recruits from California, talking to recruits from Ohio, talking to recruits from Utah, the Samoans. Utah, and, and, you know, they're flying in. We had recruits fly in from California on their own dime for camp. Well, I mean, you know. Coach, if we could talk about the new uh, athletic director, Scott Woodward. I know you guys had a, had a brief, I guess, a brief conversation at his introductory press yeah. conference, but what's that relationship like? The guy's been phenomenal. He loves Louisiana, very smart, knows LSU in and out, uh, knows what it takes to win championships at a high level. He's been very supportive of me. He comes around. He loves recruiting. He's very into recruiting, uh, very knowledgeable. I think he's going to be great at LSU. LSU will always have talent to compete for the SEC championship. And each and every year, they, along with Georgia, should be the teams to take down Alabama. You can throw Texas A&M in there as well. Although A&M hasn't done it yet, just the potential of being able to do it. But LSU has done it. Georgia's been to the college football playoffs. They've been a sniff away from winning a championship and an SEC title last year over Alabama. So these are programs that can do it. And Ed Ogeron, well, he has inherited a situation that is completely different than a couple of years ago with social media. These kids nowadays are recruiting each other on social media, but also dealing with all of the great things, the trappings, the celebrity, the attention of social media, and then also the criticism, which is a lot harder now on a 16, 17, and 18-year-old trying to decide where to go to play college football. But it's good to be talking college football again. That'll do it. The best of your sports talk for Tuesday, June the 25th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.